How about them Suns, baby? Suns win. Suns win 122 to 117 over the Sacramento Kings. Snapped their home winning streak at six. There is no lighting the beam or smoking the bowl or whatever they do. They have that weird thing now up in Sacramento, Matthew, where at the end of the game, when they win at home, they like press a button and they, you know, they yell at the crowd. And then from the top of the golden one center, they have like six lasers that are, they light up the Sacramento sky. None of that shit tonight. Devin <laughs> Booker, big Dick Booker's it tonight. Uh, huge rebound by Tory Craig at the end of the game. Plenty to talk about on this one, including your audio. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I was in Texas, as you guys know, who were watching the pod the last two times or three times, and I left my mic. So now I have just my headphones. I'm trying to figure this shit out. I hope I sound all right. Do I sound decent? I mean, it's it's all right, right? That's I can hear you. I can hear you. I mean, it sounds like you're it sounds like you're calling into the show. So you know, jam- <laughs> that's pretty pretty vintage, then, huh? <laughs> yeah, j- jamsters. If it's too unmerciful, let me know, and uh, uh, I'll, I'll <laughs> Felix. World War II audio, <laughs> you know, but uh, I remember a- AIM voice. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, but Kiko's fun. excited. Lissy's back. I'm excited that you're back, Matthew. And, you know, again, thank you to the Aussie Suns fans uh, podcast, both Gavin and Boyd for filling in Why Matthew was traveling back. It was fun having a good conversation with them, especially following a 29 and 21 performance by DeAndre Ayton. But it's only right to talk basketball with Matthew. So I'm looking forward to this game to talk about what happened tonight between the Suns and the Sacramento Kings. And Matthew, I will say this. Your your outfit looks really, really cool. Does it? It does. I like it. You got the orange shirt with the white logo, and then you got the black hat with the white yeah. logo. <laughs> I didn't notice until now because the whole like second half of the game, I was scrambling to figure out audio to make it sound different. So I was watching it and just I'm like, all right, throw this on. And I look good. I show up. I show up a little late. Audio doesn't sound as good, and I still look good, right? <laughs> that's that's seventy percent of the battle. So, uh, real quick, Samurai Foods in the chat says, "Yeah, Lissy, say you've got mail. You've got mail. There you go. You guys can use that as your ringtone." Boy. And and Lando Alverson says, "At least Lissy's takes are worth the <laughs> shitty audio." Oh, thank you. Brian B said, "Matthew's going OG." So, for those of you who are listening to the podcast. Uh, we hope this is acceptable to you. We hope you don't just tune us off. And if you're watching, hey, thanks for hanging out with us after another Suns victory. Uh, we're, we promise to have a fun show ahead of you. Make sure you hit the like button. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, if you're on Facebook or Twitter, head on over to the YouTube. Drop a like, then he- head back to the streaming service of your choice to consume this content. Uh, again, plenty to talk about. Make sure you follow me at... Oh, shit. I dropped my... I dropped my, <laughs> I dropped my bottle opener. Hold on. Say, say things in World War II audio. Where's, where's your assistant? We need you to get it to your assistant doing your drop stuff. So you don't have to bend over. There you are. <laughs> oh, man. That hurt my, my sciatic nerve. <laughs> Shit. I'm going to... Woo, Sorry, doggy. Man. All right. Well... Don't mean to laugh at that, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Get, be, be nice. Uh, well, let's, let's go ahead and pop this thing open. Matthew, I'm having a Cider Boys First Press Traditional Hard Cider Beer. You like cider beers, right? I do not. No. Yeah. Never have. Good. Well, okay. pop them if you got them, Suns fans. <laughs> my assistant to pop up my beer. I'm making a mess in here. Uh, no one likes cider beer. Go Suns.
solid win by the Phoenix Suns. Their third uh, road win this season. They're now three and five uh, after defeating the Sacramento Kings by a final score of 122 to 117. Which brings me to my first question. Matthew, I got to ask. Matthew, I got to ask, and this is tough. There's a lot of questions I have. But I think I'll kind of start where this game ended. Torrey Craig with a massive, absolutely massive offensive rebound while the Suns were leading 120 to 117 as time was expiring, uh, or at least was under 10 seconds. He gets the he gets the rebound. He dishes out to Mikhail Bridges, gets Devin Booker to the line one last time to where he can put in his 44th total point. I got to ask Matthew, and this is something the Aussie Suns fans came uh, were were commenting on Twitter. When Cameron Johnson comes back, does Tory Craig remain the starter? No, I don't think so. Um, as much as we might want it right now, I don't know how long it's going to last. I think the thing is with Juice, he might run out of Juice soon. The thing is, though, you have to think about the future. The Suns, they're planning on having Cameron Johnson be that starting four. So there's nothing that they can really do to have Juice start there. They have to have Cameron Johnson come back. If he were to come back healthy anytime soon, which it's not going to be, I feel like this is going to be a long thing. Honestly, I'm not even going to, I'm not worried about this season. I think this season is kind of a wash for Cameron Johnson, just based off the injury. I think if he comes back, it might be something he can maybe get back into rhythm when he comes back and plays in the playoffs. But right now, I think Juice is playing so good that you don't really have to look for a starting four in free agency. Maybe you do. Maybe that's a, that's a sore spot right now for the Suns, but He's still in the spot right now to where I don't even think if Cameron Johnson were to come back later in the year, you don't rush it. But eventually you want to, but I just think if he comes back later in the year, you don't want to rush it. But, dude, it's just crazy how good Juice is playing. Yeah. And then I totally forget about Cameron Johnson until he brought him up right now. I see him in street clothes once in a while. I don't even think of it as an issue of us not having a, of a four. Like, I really don't. Do you? Like, are there things that he's not doing out there that a four can do? I mean – He's grabbing the boards. He's rebounding. The defense tonight was really suspect between Aiden and Juice. Mm-hmm. Even Mikhail Bridges. There's a lot of switching issues there. But I don't think you can blame everything on one night. I don't think you can have, you know, just you can't really just blame everything that it's on, it's on Juice. And then that also like Cameron Johnson just come back and hurry and play defense, get those rebounds. We don't really know if he can do that either. So I think you just have to think of it this way. Be happy with what Juice is doing. He's giving us starting power forward minutes. You yes. have to be excited about that, right? A hundred percent. And that's why, you know, I thought it was a great question that Gavin posed on Twitter. And it's something that I wanted to talk about, especially considering that Tory Craig is the one who sealed this game. And Tory Craig had some very uh, impressive drives to the hoop. You know, you take a look at his final stat line. He was five of 10 for the field, one of three from beyond the arc. He had 11 points. He had three assists. He had five rebounds. Uh, and three of those were on the offensive end. And that's how he was getting some of his scoring was offensive rebounding. I think, you know, again, we're clearly getting our head ahead ahead of ourselves. Cameron Johnson is probably a month away from being talked about about coming back. You know, he didn't get the full-on meniscus surgery, which typically takes about four months. He took something, you know, he had part of his meniscus removed. It was about a two-month turnaround time. You know, that's going to put us right around the the middle of December, back into December, you know, maybe for New Year's. That's our gift. We get a a healthy Cameron Johnson back playing. I think that part of it, of his comeback, will be Monty Williams having him come off the bench in limited capacity to 
get, you know, to strengthen that meniscus up, to get him kind of back into playing shape. And I think when everything's said and done, Cameron Johnson's going to start to come off the bench again. And I think he should. I think Juice, to, to all the points you just mentioned, Juice is playing so well. Now, again, we don't know how sustainable it is, you know, but we're almost a quarter of the way through the season and he's had, you know, two thirds of that quarter. So whatever the mathematical equation that is, he's had, he's had, you know, 16 games or what have you probably. Okay. It's probably like nine as a starter. And that being said, he's been unbelievably valuable for this team. I think that when Cameron Johnson comes back, he garners more offensive load. He takes that load off of Devin Booker, which is a plus. Uh, but I also think that, because Tory Craig is your fifth scoring option currently on this team, and the way that he aggressively is rebounding the ball, and the mentality that both he and DeAndre Ayton have around the offensive glass, something that they've done, what, four games in a row now? You know, double-digit offensive rebounds. I think it's unbelievably vital to this team, and I think Cameron Johnson, in his role coming off the bench, as he has for his entire career, as a sharpshooter, as somebody who can generate offense, does nothing but benefit that side of the ball. So. Now, you could say that putting Torrey Craig back with the bench team is going to allow him to provide the same kind of uh, intensity that he has been providing all season as he did when he was coming off of the bench to begin the season. But still, I think that Torrey Craig has earned these starting minutes. And knowing that Cameron Johnson will be coming back from injury, it might be a long time until we see uh, Cam Johnson coming off the bench. Or coming yeah, do you starter. Do you think it's actually like a step back for Cameron Johnson, though? Like, do you think this Not is really? Not because really. he's going to come back, work himself into it. Then, of course, the Suns have to kind of adapt. I just don't know how much is kind of is a step back for him. I know the injury; the, he didn't go the surgery route to where he would have been out pretty much the whole year. But just now, because the Suns are playing so good and kind of Aiton's feeling things, like I don't know if it's a step back for him or the team when he comes back. I just I, I'm I don't know. I just hate to even think about that right now because the Suns are finally gelling and Aiton's starting to wake up. So it's kind of like I kind of wish I wanted to come back and I wanted to come off the bench. Mm -hmm. I, that's what I want. I really want that. But I just think the Suns themselves are going to think we need to see what he looks like in that starting position because he can be the guy. It's just, you know, it's up to really if his audio sounds like shit or not, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Luke Carter in the chat. Ground control to Major Lissy. Do I sound like John Bloom, though, at least? On the radio call, like, come on, give me that. Don't sound like a World War II or whatever. <laughs> uh, it's funny. Well, and again, I think that is it a step back in his career? Yes, if he's coming off the bench. But is if it's something that he can do to benefit this team and help them be uh, offensively stable from the second team unit aspect, I think that it's it's a pro for him and how he responds to whatever decision Monty Williams makes relative to whether or not he's starting is going to bode well for him because. You know, if he, somebody's like, hey, I'm going to put myself in uh, or, or I'm going to put the team ahead of my personal needs, much akin to the majority of the players on this team, it's been beneficial to everybody who's been uh, a member of this team over the past three years. I mean, DeAndre Ayton sacrificed his personal statistics uh, in an effort to help the team and ultimately got paid to do so. And now, you know, we're starting to see that side of the ball and that side of DeAndre Ayton come out uh, in true beast mode because he has the opportunity to do so. Watch. As much fun as it was hanging out with the Aussies, it was it was upsetting because I knew that you weren't there to talk about DeAndre Ayton in his 
Uh, you take a look at what he did tonight in 35 minutes. He was eight of 10 from the field, 17 points, 12 boards. Uh, he also had uh, how many assists? Oh, only the one assist. But Matthew, I will. I, I'll, I'll say this: DeAndre Ayton, yeah. Player of the Week. Do you ever? Did you ever think we'd see the day? Um. No, you know it's crazy because I was thinking, is it the first time he's actually won Player of the Week? Yeah, it has to be right, right it there is. beside Giannis. I'm like, man, it could be something that ha- can happen more and more and more because you just you can see how dominant he is. And I'm sorry I missed the podcast, and I even missed the whole game. I got to watch when I got back home, but it's not the same thing. It's so different watching it when it's not live because you already know what's going to happen, obviously. But it's just towards the fourth quarter, I'm like, dude, like. This guy, he was playing on another level, but I just love the fact that he was making himself so available. Mm-hmm. And you can see how the stats just come. Because, we, I mean, I talk about all the time where I don't want to look at the stats here. I don't care. I just want to see it on the floor. I want to exactly. see him wanting to play. And he even said in the post-game, con- uh, post-game conference, he was talking about how I want to be great. I want to do this, this, and that. And I was just thinking, I'm like, this is crazy because Booker has to deal with this all the time. It's like, oh, now he's just finally saying this shit. You know what I mean? Like, he's always said things. He always thought he was dominant. But to come out and say, like, I'm going to be great. I want to be – I got to be the tone setter. Yes. Yes. Thank you, man. Yes. It doesn't have to be every night, especially in a night like this where Booker goes off. And it's just, you know, no one else can really step up and be that second guy because Booker's just been so insane tonight. Well, we wanted some DA games. Right, like we've had Booker games, and tonight was a Booker game. But we wanted some DA games, and guess what we got last week? We got some DA games, and I love what Taddy Mason, one of our elite jamsters, says in the chat. He says DA didn't have the huge stats tonight, but he was still aggressive, and that's what you're talking about, Matthew. We don't need the stats. People who instantly bank on the stats aren't watching the game; they're relying on the statistics. I want to just see the aggressiveness, and I love what Taddy says. He goes, "I was so proud when he got called for that charge." As was I. I was like, hell yeah. DA got called for a charge. Why? Because that displays the fact that he's being aggressive. He's going to the hoop uh, sometime, with a little re- bit of reckless abandon. One of those things that we need from DeAndre Aiden. Just a, a touch of that reckless abandon. And he's added this like, like spin move. I, you know, I, I can't describe this new spin move that he's added. And, you know, he, threw, he, he brought it out again tonight where essentially he starts to spin to his right. And he just, he does a full on like, you know, 360, whatever the one after 540. There's like a 540 into a layup, and it's it's unguardable. No one can guard it. It, it, it. It's like the Tasmanian devil coming at you. And he's just he's whirlwinding at you. The defenders just kind of stand back. And go, oh shit. Look at this massive human being with you know shoulders wider than Michael Phelps flying at me. I don't know how to defend this. So you take into account that he was making the statements that you referenced, how he wants to be the tone setter, how he understands that you know he sets the the pace for the team and they're going to feed off of him like they did how he had that huge offensive rebound at the end of the last game which sealed the deal and now he came out tonight and outside of the second quarter where he was having some he he was getting picked apart by that pick and roll uh with Malik Monk and DeMontis Sabonis which we'll talk about momentarily because I want to talk about Mikael Bridges performance tonight uh but outside of that I mean he was again just unbelievably engaged in this game and that's what all I've been wanting, and that's all I've been noticing. And I think you, you as well, will sit there and we'll watch these games. And it's like, fuck, man, two of the three or two of the four quarters, he's in it. Two of the other two, he's not. I mean, that's what the story was two weeks ago. Was shitty first half by Aiton, and then he just turns it on. You're like, holy shit, 
And he did that like three games in a row. And then the last three games leading into the Sacramento Kings game, he put it all together for full games. And guess what happens? He is the, he's the, he's the player of the week in the Western Conference. And you know that those kind of attaboys, that recognition, especially after hearing like the Charles Barkley comments, especially after reading my thread on, on uh, Thanksgiving on Twitter and by reading my Center of the Sun piece that I put forth this morning on Bright Side of the Sun, after he reads all that stuff, he goes, yeah, see, I, I can do this, guys. I can definitely do this. Yeah, and it's just really about can he keep it up? And that's the one thing I do worry about because he can be that guy where he can wake up and be absolutely dominant, but it's about continuing to do it and have people just kind of stick behind them. Monty even said, there's the standard. This is the standard now for DA. And it always has been. It's just now we see it because we've always known it's there. It's just how consistent can we see it? And the offense truly has to start going through him even more. It's going to get to a point to where it's going to, he's going to have to touch the ball at least once. Oh yeah. So many, Every possession. So many, yeah. And there's so many times I'm watching and so many offensive possessions where he is not getting a touch and he's running up and down doing a lot of shit and he doesn't get a touch. There's a lot of threes being jacked up. And I kind of feel bad sometimes. I kind of feel bad. I'm like, just give him a touch, but it'll get to a point where if he keeps showing up like this, he'll get the ball. He'll get the touches. He'll be a bigger part of the offense. He might not always get the shot, but he's such a good passer. And like you said, one assist, it's crazy because he should be averaging like five assists. I'm not saying like he needs to do that, but if they get him more involved in the offense and he is the absolutely like first or second option, he'll have those assists. It's not going to be like a Jokic thing, but he can pass the ball around. He can find the open guy. We've seen it for forever. And now that he's actually been dominant, we'll see if he can keep it up, dude, because that's the one thing that's scary with him. And I know we're all very excited about him and the way he's playing, but he can drop off. He can be a guy that just, it's like, all right, you know what? I might take this game off, you know, stuff like that. We can't see that. We have to see it consistent the whole year. It doesn't have to be 100%, but you've got to show up every game and put up those stats. If you play hard, they're just going to come. They're going to be there, mm-hmm. and you can finally be an all-star. No, I could, I, that's what was going to be my next question, is given his performance thus far this season, which has been solid, is he all-star worthy? To this point of the season, is he a, is he a, at least a reserve? I don't think he's got the starting spot, but I, he's got to be a reserve, right? Yeah, I mean, you have Jokic, you have – what other centers are out west? It's though? Jokic. Jokic. It's Jokic. That's it, right? and, that's, why I'm, that's why I'm saying a reserve because I can't think out, of any – He just got hurt. Cat got hurt, but he's not even playing center. He's playing the four with Rudy Gobert. Yeah, true. Yeah. So DeAndre Ayton, potential all-star if he continues – with this aggression because he is of all of the Phoenix Suns, DeAndre Ayton is the most highlight worthy member we have. Devin Booker goes out and carves them up 44 points. What did he hit one, three tonight, maybe two. I mean, we'll talk about him momentarily, but again, DeAndre Ayton with some of the savage highlights that he's already put together this season. It's those things that are retweeted and they're, they're seen on YouTube time and time again, you know, just like the, uh, uh, little snippet that you put together today congratulating him on his uh western conference player of the week that you put out on twitter and on our youtube feed uh it's it's one of those things that is full of like great looking highlights like there's only so many devin booker jumpers you can put out there be like yeah this guy's a fucking killer from the you know but a savage jam while he's coming down the middle of the lane is very highlightable so you know we still have some time uh, before the All-Star game, obviously, it's in, what, February? But if he continues yeah. to, to play with this trajectory, he's definitely an All-Star reserve, in my personal and humble opinion. 
Exactly. And it's funny that video you're talking about, that one was put out. But just a couple nights ago, or maybe last week, after it's three games, three games, lesser games he was off, four games maybe. But the game before that, like five games ago, it just seemed like everyone was turning on him. And this was like kind of the end. I just felt like it was kind of like, this is the end of Aiden. This is not going to work out. I truly felt that. And I was trying to, I was putting together like a video, like a, like something kind of sappy and kind of like, <laughs> come on, like we need you. And I was getting like kind of emotional. So like people that think that like, hey, a lot of us just hate Aiden. We just don't want him to succeed. It's not true. I want him to be a part of this team and be something of the future with Devin. God, do you know how really, happy I am? I really play yes. like this. This team is so much more exciting when he's playing like this, dude. It is a different team. It gets us a reason to really get excited about this team to watch them. Of course, they're a fun team to watch, but right now when Aiden's playing like this, oh god, it's a hundred percent better, dude. Oh, it's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, Coach Fallen Founder, another one of our lead jamsters and a guest of the show in the past, uh, is making fun of Lissy's audio. For those of you who joined a little bit late, Matthew, upon his travels coming back from Amarillo, Texas, left his microphone at his cousin's house. So he's got the AirPod thingies in. And they're not even sense. AirPods. Uh, what are those, Beats by Dre or something? They're what are you beats. wearing? They're Beats. It's like, why do they sound so shitty? That doesn't make any sense. They don't sound shitty. They just sound like you're talking through Beats and not like a quality USB microphone that yeah. everybody's used to hearing. So uh, Coach Fallen Founder is asking Lissy to say the following. So Lissy, can you please read what Coach Fallen Founder has said? Um, yeah. <laughs> you got to say it like an old-timey World War II radio. Ah, news bulletin. Japan invades Malaysia. Italy sends troops to Africa, and Germany annexes Australia, <laughs> Austria. <laughs> World at war, whatever, dude. There you go, guys. Snip that audio. There's Matthew. You know, he's calling like the beginning of the World at War Call of Duties. So, <laughs> oh, man. The warden. I want to talk about the warden tonight and, and his performance. I think it was unbelievably cut, and you can really see his basketball IQ tonight. That's what I want to talk about because overall, six of 14 from the field, one of six from beyond the arc. He had 13 total points, had seven assists, eight rebounds, but he also had three steals and three blocks in this game, Matthew. And it was very interesting during, very interesting during that second quarter when DeMontis Sabonis and Malik Monk were carving the Suns apart with the pick and roll. And it reminded me of like those seven seconds or less Suns when, when Amari and Steve Nash – would just go on those stretches where they they run a pick and roll, nobody could stop it. They literally do it for like a quarter and a half. Well, you'd make some sort of adjustment, and then they do six things off of it. I mean, that's who the Phoenix Suns were for a long time. And during those those possessions, it started out with Mikhail Bridges on the weak side because he was guarding Fox, and Fox just wasn't in the play, so he's off. And then DeAndre Ayton doesn't switch down; he doesn't drop properly to take Sabonis. Uh, and then Malik Monk comes around. So he's talking to him as they're dribbling the, call, the, the ball up the court, and he's kind of telling him what he sees. And then they run the play again, and DeAndre Ayton doesn't do it right again. So he's telling him again. They do it like a third time. And this time, Mikael Bridges is in on the possession. He switches himself into the possession, and he almost gets a steal. And then the next time they do it, he does get the steal. And you see right there the, the defensive IQ of Mikael Bridges and how he navigated trying to educate in on the fly, his fellow teammate to get, to try to stop that one play that just was killing us. Yeah. And he was a leader at that time. It was nice to have him kind of hold whatever was going on. 
who knows really where anybody was supposed to be, but it looked like Aiden was kind of messing things up down there. And he was holding him accountable. And that's yes. nice to see that he can kind of be that leader. Of course, he's a goofy guy. And towards the end of the game, when he gets the dunk and the three, and he dances around, but then turns the ball over at the end. Uh, he He's fun to watch in the end. Close games with his teammates is the best. But when he was like trying to take over the paint and trying to get in there and trying to make something happen, trying to force the issue, it seemed like he was doing that earlier in the game because no one really was. It was like the 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 Kings were getting to the rim, like you said, at will. They were just in there all night long. But actually, like the points to paint after the uh, the first half, it was forty to forty. It seemed like the they were out scoring the Suns by massive points down the paint when it came to halftime. But it was even. And a lot of that, I feel like it's just kind of Mikhail getting down there and just forcing the issue. And you always want to see him around the rim. You always want to see him closing out the game with a three and then like throwing out the three fingers to like, to whoever, even like, even the fans on the sideline, he does it to him. You know what I mean? He does to anybody. So he does. He almost cost us the game a little bit towards the end by just like taking his time. It was really weird too. Like there was a couple possessions towards the end where he was like, he was holding the ball and he would take it from Booker and like after the cross half, cross half court, I don't know what that was. I don't know why they had to have Mikhail like set up the offense or something, but then he would just give it right back to Booker. So I don't know what was happening there. Um, I wanted Booker just to hold on the ball and, you know, do his thing. I didn't really want Mikhail to have the ball in his hands at that time because you don't see him do it. It's nice. He used to in the past bring up the ball a lot and they kind of do that every now and then to set up the offense. But at the end of the game, I don't want him to have the ball in his hand just because he's not used to it. So that needs to be Booker there for sure. Otherwise, it was a good game, man. I just It seemed like a different kind of a kill out there, dude, just forcing the issue. Like I said, it just seemed a little bit more different because he just knew in this game, the way it was going, that the Kings were just – they were doing whatever they wanted. So he had to do something different to kind of turn it around, and he did, I feel like. Well, they used De'Aaron Fox as a decoy. Coming into this game, De'Aaron Fox was leading the team – in scoring and they found a mismatch that they could take advantage of. And it took uh, the Suns and some in court or, or in game and on court adjustments to try to navigate and, and stop it. And ultimately they, they really didn't do a good job of it. In my opinion, it's what kept them in the game. You know, whenever they gotten gotten a jam, they, I mean, they brought Malik Monk in at the end of the game simply to run some of those plays. Yeah. And and Mikhail had the one where he picked it off and then it went up in the air. Sabonis got it and dunked it. And it was like, shit. I mean, that's what, that's what got them their last points. Their 117 points was that some, that, that exact play. So that's what they were trying to do. But, you know, from an offensive standpoint, we didn't see a good Mikhail game and that's okay. That is, you know, we, would we like to see it? Absolutely. But guess what? Not everybody's going to play great every night, but he played really good on the defensive end. He had some massive blocks, some great steals. And because of that, he forced, he was part of, you know, I mean, that's six turnovers alone. He caused right there. And you look at it, the, the uh, Sacramento Kings, they ultimately ended with 16 turnovers, which led to 24 points for the Suns. Now, the Suns had 17 turnovers, which led to 25 points themselves. They were very careless with the ball. Uh, you take a look at, you know, Mikhail Bridges. Uh, who else? Uh, I mean, Devin Booker, we're going to talk about him momentarily in his six steals. He had six turnovers as well. Uh, lazy passes. Yeah. A lot of weird cross-court passes. And and this team, the Sacramento Kings, they're quick and they're long. So you throw something past uh, uh, half court or, or cross court. I'm sorry, you're gonna have uh, you're gonna have a lot of just picked off passes. But I really feel the Suns, because of the speed that the Sacramento play, the Sacramento Kings play with, they really created a lot of 
miscommunication amongst the Phoenix Suns. And I thought that Mikhail Bridges was really hog in trying to, to communicate. And you saw it in the third quarter. You saw it when the, the Suns came out in the third quarter and outscored the Kings 28 to 20 because defensively they were on point. In the fourth quarter, ultimately the Kings outscored the Suns 33 to 31, but that wasn't because of horrible defense. That was because the Suns were turning the ball over in that fourth quarter. They were taking care of it in the third. Yeah, the, the the way the Kings were playing defensively, they were, like you said, long, but they were filling the pathway so quickly. It was like yeah. as soon as the Suns – but the Suns offensively looked like they were kind of going nowhere. And I feel like that was the reason, like, Book really took over this game where he – I've never seen him play like this before where he just takes so many shots. It's like, you know, he takes the shots, but it's like, okay, you're going to shoot again? You're going to shoot again? Like, that was really weird because I feel like the way Sacramento was playing defense, it was hard to get anything – going any kind of ball movement mm-hmm. they're so quick mike brown's over there yelling at them just screaming at him the whole time you know he's like he this young team this team that really needs to turn around he's over there coaching them it's it's cool to see because you can tell they respect them so they're playing hard defense for him man they want to make this mm-hmm. work so that's scary to play against because they have really nothing to lose really this season right i mean they're trying to figure things out but they look good doing it and malik monk I thought he just shot threes. I didn't know he was that good at getting to the rim, using his length, his speed. He looked, I didn't even know that was him until like two layups. I'm like, oh, wait, Malik Monk? Is that him? Maybe he's always played that way, but I think of him as a shooter, not a guy that can drive like that. No, because our memories of Malik Monk are, one, playing for the Lakers, and so we didn't see him because the Lakers were too (laughs) dominant. They're like, we don't let anyone play but LeBron and AD. But we remember when he played for the Hornets and he had that like five for 10 from beyond the art game where he scored 28, 29 points against the Phoenix Suns. You know, that's our Malik Monk memory. And then, you know, you and I were big on him because he's one of those Kentucky guys. Here's what's interesting about Malik Monk. And for those of you who didn't watch the game, or maybe you did, uh, here's his stat line. 12 of 17 from the field. He had 30 points and eight assists in this game. Uh, I mean, he just, he carved the Phoenix Suns. From the bench, this is all. He's a bench player. He ends up playing a total of thirty minutes in this game, uh, primarily because De'Aaron Fox was not effective and wasn't really part of the game plan. It feels like because you know Mike Brown found that Malik Monk is somebody who's going to be aggressive and can get to the rim at will, and 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 that he did. And it's one thing that you know we'll talk about it a little bit later on the subreddit stakeout. But I mean, all the Kings fans were just pissed at Fox. Like, where are you? You're just hanging out on the on the sidelines, you know, like come in and try to help this team when we need you. If Malik Monk goes out, you know, you need to be that guy. Here's what I here, here's one observation I had of Malik Monk. He looked old, man. Like I, I when I saw when they did a close up of his face, I'm like that's Malik Monk now? Like did, one year in LA and he looks that old? Holy shit. I was going to say you play with LeBron and you're either in a mental institution you. or you're just almost 50 years old. Yeah, like I mean that, look at Kyrie. Man. Kyrie was doing it, yeah. great. Yeah. It's just like when the celebs like kind of ran out of the baby blood during coronavirus, like mm-hmm. they just all look so old all of a sudden now they look young again. Yeah, they're drinking the baby happens, blood. Man. Baby blood. <laughs> Sun's jam session sponsored by Baby Blood. Uh <laughs> if you're hanging out with us disregard that comment and go ahead and hit like in the chat anyways. Anything else you want to talk about on the king side? I mean, we one thing, all right, that I'll talk about real quick mm-hmm. as I ask you a question, then I answer my own question. Uh, one thing that I thought was kind of cool at the Golden One Center is every time Keegan Murray would make a shot, it go Keegan, and then like the whole crowd would go like Murray. I thought it was kind of cool. I'm like, why don't we do that for any any of our players? We don't. We just do the one, two, three, and I've always yeah. hated that. I Me don't too. like that. One, two, so three, weird. first down. It's the same no. shit. It's like. <laughs> The only other thing is Herter. I mean, he started out the game 4-4-4, yeah. and, like, it was like, oh, my God, is this going to be really a thing? He ended with the game with 18 points, but 
it just shows you, man, like the coaching two guys, Herder and I mean, Herder was good with the Hawks. He was decent, but these guys are so valuable now with this team. Um, and just like Monk, like this, I don't know if it's Mike Brown or what the atmosphere there, but these guys are kind of just, you have to deal with them. You're going up against them. You have to pay attention to them. Unlike the past where you just kind of like, yeah, they get hot, they get hot, but they're just day in, day out. They're playing these type of games. It's insane. This is a good roster, Matthew. Yeah. When I look at this team and you look at how they're built, it's a solid roster. You have, you have, uh, De'Aaron Fox, who, you know, again, four for 12 in this game, had 11 points, had five rebounds, five assists, nothing crazy like he's been playing up to this point of the season, leading the le- leading the team in scoring. But that being said, generally he's playing a lot better and has played a lot better this season. You got Kevin Horder, who's a great two guard next to him. You have uh, Harrison Barnes playing the three. Keegan Murray, who is a rookie, who's playing very well in his in his role. And then obviously DeMontis Sabonis uh, as well. And then you have a bench that includes Malik Monk, Davion Mitchell, Terrence Davis. You know, it's it's a solid squad. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I'm, we're happy. We are so happy for this team to be good, dude. I hope yeah, we just have a first-round first matchup against them. Maybe that might that be would something. Be, that would be tough, man. I mean, I think we'd take them, but, man, that's just, that's oh, just, yeah. that's just a tough – tough out in the playoffs would play in a team like this simply because they play with a certain type of pace. Uh, yeah. if the, but the Suns could probably slow them down in a seven game series and ultimately take that series. Big Dick Booker. 33 minutes into the pod. And we're just now talking about the man who put up 44 points in this game. Devin Booker doing so on 28 shots, Matthew. He was 17 of 28, highly efficient. Uh, he also added in eight total rebounds. He had four assists. He had the, the six turnovers, but he also had six steals. Devin Booker, who at the very beginning of the day was the one who was getting, you know, all those back cuts by quarter were happening on, on him. Uh, but yeah. man, he, he was making Davion Mitchell his bitch tonight. He played very, very well. Yeah, he was going after the young guys. And like he said, it started off pretty bad. Like he had all those turnovers, I feel like in the first, most of them, like four of them at least. And then after that, he kind of got into the groove. And what really set it off, dude, was the technical foul. Yeah, Devin Booker got a technical foul for bouncing a ball to a referee. Was it the wrong referee? It might have been the wrong referee. But anyways, he bounced it to the referee. Then after that, he gets the technical and then all hell broke loose because there was a different Booker after that technical mm-hmm. foul. He was insane, man. Uh, I mean, it was just like if you want to keep count of his shots made or shots attempted throughout the whole game, it was uh, it was a different Booker in a way where it was selfish in a way. It seemed like kind of like hogging the ball a lot. But the team seemed to be kind of rooting him on. It seemed like in the fourth quarter, to start the fourth quarter, he missed three three buckets, two layups, one he probably got fouled on, then he missed the three, like, air or got blocked. Then I'm like, damn, dude, that's probably the end of it. Usually that's how it ends, right? Yeah. But no, he comes back, and he keeps shooting the ball, and he pretty much wins the game for us. I've never seen that, right? Because usually it stops at some time, but it's like, who's going to really help us out? I mean, you can go to Aiden, you can go to Mikhail, but it just felt like it was just Booker's game. He's just like, I'm going to win this game for us tonight. And that's what he did. And the turnovers came early, so I wasn't too worried about that. But other than that, man, like he saw what DeAndre Aiden did, player of the week. He's like, mm-hmm. no, this is this is my team, man. Yeah. This is my team. It, you had your time. That's the last one you're going to get. 
while you're a Phoenix Sun. <laughs> no, I just I think that again, it was a different side of Devin Booker tonight, and, and you mentioned it. You said it eloquently. He he was everywhere, and he he was going to take over this game, and and that he did, and he did so in such a manner that was, I mean. For those who were watching the game on the Sacramento feed, they were in awe of everything that he was doing and how he was doing it, how he was getting to his spots, how he was making every shot, and how after that technical foul, which was a bullshit technical foul, where he simply just bounced the ball to the referee, and the and you know I guess he did it a little too fast for a referee's liking. Uh, he must have hurt his feelings or something. But essentially, he just decided, okay, I'm going to take this over because other aspects of this game weren't working, right? Other, as you mentioned earlier. The, the ball movement wasn't there for the Phoenix Suns tonight. It just wasn't. They, they didn't have the ability to whip the ball around like they normally do around the perimeter, get an inside shot, what have you, because of the length and the speed of the Sacramento Kings. So if you look at it, you know, the Phoenix Suns ended with a total of uh, 26 assists on 50 made field goals. That's a low total for them. The, uh, the Kings had 32 assists on 46 field goals. So they were doing a much better b- job of whipping the ball around, using the pick and roll to their benefit. So it was a lot of ISO book. And, and, and it was frustrating, especially at the front end of the fourth quarter, because that's generally what we see in the last three minutes in these situations where it just goes to have ISO heavy ball book, uh, uh, Booker ball. It was that was how we started the first two or three minutes of the fourth quarter, and I was like, okay, th- you got to have something more than this, sons. You got to have something more than this. And ultimately, in that fourth quarter, Devin Booker went two for five from the field, had eight points because he got four free throws, but he was missing those shots early on in the quarter, and that's what was frustrating, and it allowed the the Sacramento Kings to get back in this game because all that hero ball. Uh, when the ball doesn't go in, it takes everybody out of their rhythm, and then the, the Kings were getting out and running and trying to force the issue on the other end of the court. Yeah, luckily he had some other guys step up to help him. Um, I honestly thought when that was happening, I'm like, shit, this is not going to go good because we never seem to get to the point where Booker is attempting this much and then he goes cold and he comes back and helps the team. Usually if he goes cold, it takes a while for him to get back into the game, and it was already the fourth quarter. So he came back quick, but he also got help from Lee, he got help from McHale, he got help from Aiton at times. So it was like a collective thing yes. for the Suns. A collective win, and it was kind of like last year where they would just end games. Usually it was Chris Paul, Devin Booker, but everyone else would get theirs. And that's what happened tonight, I feel like. It just was everyone got theirs, and they helped Booker out. And to see that and then kind of see the team support him for shooting as much as he was, it's kind of rare, I feel like, in the league. But you never see Booker do this either. So it's rare, but I just think he felt it tonight. I think – it might be a Jenner thing. It might be one of those things where he's just like, I need this guys. I need to fucking, I need to feel something. He has, I need like to feel a, something. He, he has like a bald spot on the back of his head. It's been there for a while. It, I don't know if it's some stress or I got one of those once I took, um, it was, uh, what was it? It was some kind of, um, oh, freaking, it was some kind of steroid or something. And I got like a bald spot. So I wonder if he's on steroids or it's just stress from the Jenner thing. Great. Yeah. He's going to get a 25-game suspension for what diuretics, and he's got a ball <laughs> spot. He's had that, he's had that ball yeah. spot for a while. But, yeah, I was thinking about that during the game, too. It's like this is their first time, you know, since the news was released that Kendall Jenner and, and Devin Booker have broken up, that he's gone on a road trip. Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe he just got out of town, just get away from it all, just focus completely on the sport, not being anything. He, you know, it's not like he's walking into the Golden Center in, in downtown Sacramento, which I've been to before and is absolutely lovely. But it's not like he's yeah. walking in there and he's he has memories of Kendall sitting right up there in the third row and 
cheering him on, you know? So he's like, he's in a place that he feels a safe space. And he went out there and he dropped 44 uh, and added to his resume. He's like, okay, D D eight. And I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to start my <laughs> next run of a, of a great week. Watch this. You son of a bitch. Cause that, cause yeah. this is the hardest game this week. If you look at the four games this week, you have this game, the, they, they play the, the bulls on bulls. Wednesday, which is a struggling team on Friday. They play Houston. Uh, which can be a, a team that'll bite you, but it's Houston. And then on Sunday, they play the Spurs. So Houston and the Spurs are the two worst teams in the Western Conference. So this could be one of those weeks where Devin Booker is going to be like, hey, you know what? I'm just going to go for 40 every game. How about that, guys? You guys cool with that? Cool. I'm, that's how I'm going to spend my the beginning of December. Yeah, we're cool with it because we want that point total to go up. Hell the average yeah. needs to go up, man. 100%. 100%. Jesus, this is a nice limo. Yes, it is. Now suck my jack. Landale. It happened last game. It happened again this game in which Monty Williams now has this rotation thing where the first three quarters, he kind of lulls the defense to sleep by having Busy out there. And Busy, you know, he, he plays well enough, I guess, in the in the opportunities and the minutes allotted to him. He played a total of nine minutes a game. He had four points. He had two big blocks, a couple assists, three rebounds. But then they bring in Jock Landon for the first like four minutes of the fourth. And they did the same thing uh, in the last game. And he comes out there and he, he only had a couple points. They're both from the free throw line. He only had one assist. But the energy that he brought again tonight and his ability to get buried in that lane, again, changed the way that the Suns could execute their offense because all of a the sudden they're playing a lot of this perimeter stuff throughout the game. Dem Booker's carving them to death. And all of a sudden there's a few passes on the inside. They're like, oh, shit, we got to account for this guy. <laughs> Yeah, it's nice to have a – he's like a closer in a way, right? Kind he's of. kind of coming into the fourth now and just kind of giving that energy and kind of closing things out. I mean, he doesn't end the game at all, but it's nice to have that energy. I know Aiden talked about it. We talked about it. You guys talked about it before, how he brought that energy in the fourth quarter last game. But he's going to probably be that guy now. I kind of like it. I kind of like seeing – I like it too. I like him coming in the same game as Bismack. I hate, I hate it before where we just not see the other. It's like Bismack's playing this game. Jock's playing the other one. Then the Suns fans are concerned. I just play him in both games. And if you have a guy like Jock that has that energy, it makes sense to play him in the fourth. Bismack does such a good job in longevity throughout the game, just coming in and just always, he like messed up tonight where he just turned the ball over, but then comes back down and does like a LeBron block on the other end. Yeah. You have that from him. And then you have Jock that can come in and he's not shooting the three. The three is hopefully it's gone. I know in the beginning of the season, I was like, Hey, he could do whatever he wants. This guy's fucking amazing. But it wasn't amazing when it turned to like five percent shooting from beyond the arc. Yeah. So, so now he's he's not that guy anymore. All he is is hustle. If this is his thing, just for a little bit, I like it. I don't mind it. I yeah. feel like Bismack's doing a hell of a job right now. So, keep it this way. I like to see them both in the same game. Well, and I think you know if Busy comes out and he's effective, you play him the entire game. But if he has a game where he, you know, for like the past couple games, which is it's just not all there. You can bring in a, a game changer like Jock Landell, who's going to bring a different sense of energy. And I think it's easier to do that than go the other way around, right? Where you bring in Jock Landell and you have him out there playing. He's got such high energy. And then all of a sudden you're like, all right, let's bring in busy and slow everything down. That's easier for a defense because yeah. they're so used to trying to play with this high energy and this high spirited guy. Or all of a sudden you bring in a guy who's just like going to go kind of nice and slow on him. You're like, oh, okay, you're almost taking the pressure off. So I think it's very strategic the way that Monty Williams, uh, who who I'm working on a drop for. I think I finally had an idea today. I was walking the dogs. 
and a drop idea came for me. So I finally have coming up because we need one for Monty Williams. So we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully I'll have that done. They by drop the next a deuce. You, you have a drop idea, huh? Yeah. You see him dropping that deuce? All right. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. Once, once my dog point. takes a shit, I'm just like, hey, that's it. I can, I can have a Monty Williams moment. Here comes the pain. Not a great campaign day. And the only reason I bring up campaign is, you know, one, he was two of 10 from the field. He was one of three from beyond the arc, had seven assists, had five points, had five personal fouls. Didn't get a ton of playing time, played 24 minutes in this game. Damian Lee really picked up in his slack. But for anyone out there, whoever bets Cameron Payne, he ended up with seven assists. But you'll realize real quick, like I bet the over on his assist today being six assists. And man, you don't realize how much of a ball hog he is until you have money on the line and you're watching every possession. You're like, pass the fucking ball, pass the fucking <laughs> ball. And he finally did. And, and, you know, so kudos to him. He does distribute more than I give him credit for. But it's one of the fun things about sports betting is when you do that, you really start to notice aspects of the game uh, that obviously you're rooting for because it's going to benefit you financially. But man, I, I ultimately, I didn't uh, win this because I needed one more campaign three. I bet he'd get two threes. I bet that uh, he would have six assists, and I bet that uh, Mikael Bridges would have over twelve points. I hit on everything but the the two threes. Oh. One of one of three. I was like, God down, sat on a bench. Lucky hanging, man. Yeah, he had some like finishes at the rim too. Where I was like, that was like old campaign where he's finishing trying to do the reverse or trying yeah. to lay it up. He knows he's gonna get blocked, and he gets blocked. The reverse, he knows he's gonna hit it under the rim, and he hits under the rim. That's old campaign, man. We don't want to see that, dude. No. The thing that works so good with him is that pick and roll with Aiden. He's really good with that. His passes have been phenomenal. I think he's been doing a really good job with that. Um, I just don't know if Aiden was really rolling as hard with him on that because I feel like I when think it the was defense really was doing season, a good job of defending it. Yeah, and I was going to say there are times, though, like tonight, where everything was just so close together and there was no room for any kind of pass. You saw if there was a pass, there was a tip, they get stolen. Um, so it was kind of a weird game where he had no other option but just to go to the rim, and we saw those nasty layups tonight. But surprising he got those seven assists, man. I would just Me say, too. like, he didn't really even have two assists this game because it just looked like a bad Cameron Payne game all around. Yeah, it wasn't the best one. I was surprised that he ended with seven. It's just, God, he was wide open for, like, one, one of those threes in, like, the third or fourth quarter. Wide open. I'm like, this is it. Rick, I'll tell you one guy who didn't miss a ton of threes. Today I met this cat. He said his name was Damien. He thinks that we're a lot alike and wants to be my friend. Six for 11 from the field, 15 points for Damien Lee, five rebounds, three of seven from beyond the arc. And man, he hits some clutch threes for this team. He absolutely does. He, he's, he's been such a great acquisition. And I was trying to think like in the offseason, like obviously we got Jock Landell. We got Josh Akogi, who when he plays, definitely, you know, garners and earns his minutes. Damian Lee's got to be our best pickup, man, because this guy's getting really, really quality minutes. Yeah, he uh, – what was it? He's, like, number one in catch-and-shoot threes right there this year with 50%. Um, I saw that on Twitter for somebody. Um, but the thing is, I'm jumping on – I'm on his side now. I was on Shamit's. I was like, Shamit, no, he's more consistent. But ever since we had that talk, I feel like Lee's just been insane. He's been crazy, and he's hitting big shots when we need him. Like, tonight in the fourth quarter – when Booker was struggling, he hit big threes. He's just, I mean, he's doing a lot now to really get this team going and keep up kind of the momentum at times when you think it's going to disperse and there's going to be nothing there. We might lose the game. 
he picks us back up. He's that guy. He's been balling nonstop, man. Um, honestly, when we first got him, I was excited, but I was like, eh, we'll see. We'll see. We can always get these guys where it's like, oh, he's going to come in. He's going to be a hot three-point shooter or something, but it won't last. But he's proven he's very valuable, and it's it's crazy how good he's been so far this year. I know he went through a little slump mm-hmm. early in the season, but now he's been consistent as all hell, man. He's he's our number one guy at the bench right now for sure because of the injuries for sure. Yeah, and, and I think that he's earned those minutes. And I think that, one, he makes Landry Shamit unbelievably expendable. And Landry's going to get minutes, and we're going to like what we see from Landry from time yeah. to time. And he had a couple big threes in this game, in my opinion, too. But he beca- does definitely become expendable with his contract, and it's a good connector contract. So it'll be interesting to see how James Jones, the new president of basketball operations, which I don't even know what that means, uh, but it'll be interesting to see how he is. Or how he navigates that. Mario Lopez asks in the chat, Lee, a six man of the year candidate? What do you think, Matthew? Yeah. I mean, he has those highlights now, the threes. Like, you need that. You need like those big threes that really help your team win games. He has that going for him uh, throughout the year. He's definitely with that guy. He can win that reward. How many points per game do you think he's averaging after tonight? Uh, 13, right? Nope. 7.7. Oh, wow. Okay. He now that being said, <laughs> now that being said, he's shooting forty nine point three percent from beyond the arc. So I mean, it's nearly one out of every two is going in. So I mean, there's definitely a lot of time, but he's putting himself in a position he'll get those minutes. Anytime anybody has a bad game, it's it's Damian Lee to the rescue, and you got to appreciate yeah. that about him. The Suns Jam Session subreddit stakeout. All right, Jamsters, I was hanging out on the subreddit of the Sacramento Kings tonight just with my hat backwards, just like I'm wearing it right now. They couldn't recognize me. They didn't see the Suns Jam Session logo that I had on the front end. But here are some of the things that they had to say. Prior to the start of the game, one of their uh, their Redditors said, no CP3 tonight. We need to capitalize with the win here if we want to stay in the playoff race. Got to take advantage <laughs> of every opportunity we get. And then somebody re- uh, responded, honest question. Are the Suns better with or without Chris Paul these days? <laughs> I don't know, man. They're better with Chris Paul, of course. Yeah. A healthy Chris Paul. Yeah. Not a guy that's in the playoffs that's hurt and still fucking playing and costing us games. That We're not good with that, Chris Paul. Yeah, and you know what? We're 14-6. and six. We're the best team in the Western Conference without him uh, for, what, like eight games now? So guess what? Yeah. The answer is our, – our, are the Suns better with or without Chris Paul these days? The answer is just yes. And also Booker, too, MVP. It's going to come back around. It wasn't there. Now it is. Yeah. Put up games so. like this and you will. Uh, here's another comment from the, the Kings subreddit. I'm very much an Aiden over Sabonis guy and generally curious about this matchup. So a little bit of love for, the, uh, for DeAndre Aiden from somebody hanging nice. out on the Kings reddit. Uh, that's a weak ass T on book, but I'll take it. LOL. Uh, I think we can all agree that was a weak ass. You know, even they recognize it. They're like that. That that was a technical foul. And don't get me wrong. Like yeah. they were. There was a lot of oh, Booker's flopping. You know, when he kicked his leg out, which he didn't. He doesn't kick his leg out. Devin Booker's got mad hops, by the way. Like he jumps like three feet in the fucking air. It's insane. And like the natural thing is to have your foot kind of drift. It barely drifts. Somebody caught it and they called an offensive foul on him. Dumb shit. 
Uh, Sabonis is getting, this is a great one. Sabonis is getting under more balls than a midget hooker. <laughs> nothing? I got nothing from you. I got nothing from you. I don't know if you had getting under more balls than a midget hooker. They don't know if you had a back in World War II. <laughs> Uh, Ozzy Suns fans pod hanging out in the chat. Uh, the Kings have enough fans for a subreddit. This is a funny, this is an interesting True, question, yeah. Matthew. And, and let me know if you can answer this because I was looking at this. Because if you go to our NBA, it lists all of the different subreddits for all the NBA teams. And it has the total number of members there. And they have about 118, 117,000 uh, people who have joined the Kings subreddit. The Suns, I think, are about 130. Which team do you think is the lowest? Because I looked at it this today. Which subreddit do you think is the lowest? I'll give you three oh, guesses. Out of every, out of every team? Out of every team in the NBA, who are the what what is the one team with the least amount of sub or people subscribe to their subreddit? Um Minnesota. Nope. Good guess. Um Minnesota or let me have one more guess. One more guess. One more um, guess. Cra- Crazy Luigi in the chat says Detroit. That's wrong. Orlando? Orlando's incorrect. Okay. Uh, Zero says the Miami Heat. That's incorrect. The Kings is incorrect. Fabio says Utah. That's incorrect. I thought Utah after their last game because uh, I was doing the subreddit stakeout with you absent. And it was funny because like there was no one talking. Orlando, nope. OKC, nope. It's the Cleveland Cavaliers. They only have like 93,000. Oh. They're the only okay. subreddit that has under 100,000 people. Okay. Little, little known oh, facts. Sense. Yeah, it makes sense, man. <laughs> uh, last... Um, nope, I got, I, oh, I got a few more. All right. Not watching. How's it going so far? And somebody replied, decent playing good D offenses getting to the rim at will Booker and Aiton are really, really good. That was one observation. Uh, and then there was a, a little Booker thread. Somebody stop Booker man in the crying emoji. Wow. Booker is incredible. Booker is a lot better than Fox. Fuck off book. That's why Kendall broke up with you. <laughs> because he's uh, <laughs> yeah, scoring too much. Uh, I'm literally watching Landell right now. Actually worried like he's a young wilt was the last thing that I that I got from the, the subreddit for the Kings. But there you go. The subreddit stakeout for the Kings. The Suns Jam Session subreddit stakeout. Any thoughts on that subreddit stakeout, Matthew? Anything you took away from that? No, just the midget thing was kind of out of nowhere. Um, it seemed very polite, polite stuff. And then the whole Aiton stuff, you love, they love him over Sabonis. And it's crazy how much we always love um, another player over our own players all the time. Just always. fandom. It's just fandom right there. Yeah. Straight up fandom. What? Uh, anything else that you had in your notes? Um, do I have anything else? Let me take a look. Um, I did... No, just Washington Jr. trying to run that uh, point guard. I don't know, trying to run the offense there for a little bit, and it looked too good. So yeah. I'm glad they kind of stopped that. <laughs> Shannon needs to be more aggressive. Shannon yeah. needs to be a lot more aggressive. He is good at dribbling between his legs, but he's quick. Go to the fucking rim, man. Do something, dude. Catch a screen and go. He needs yes. to do what Malik Monk he was doing to. tonight. Yes, catch, a, catch a screen and go. <laughs> Jam star of the game. All right, Jamsters, as a reminder, if you're watching along live, please hit that thumbs up button. If you're watching along later, hit that thumbs up button. Shit, you made it this far. You might as well just, you know, put the effort in. And please subscribe if you're listening to the podcast, wherever you might be. So, uh, Matthew, 
GM started the game. You giving it to D book and his his savage forty four points. I sure am, buddy. That's who I got. You? I, I think you're great here. It was a Devin Booker game. Don't get me wrong. I thought Damian Lee did a great job coming off the bench. The uh, Torrey Craig offensive rebound sealed the deal. Mikel Bridges, as we discussed, with some of his defensive prowess. But this was a Devin Booker game. We got a D-Book highlight game. This is one that you know people who fell asleep because, oh, this is a late game. I can't stay up on the East Coast. They'll wake up and be like, oh, shit, 44 <laughs> on 27 shots? Yeah, that D-Book. Yeah. That's what he do. That's what he do. Uh, up next for the Phoenix Suns, they're playing the Chicago Bulls back at home. Another 90s night. Rocking the, the sunburst jerseys. Matthew, trivia, because I'm full of it. When is the last time the Chicago Bulls played the Phoenix Suns when they were wearing the purple st- sunburst jersey? Uh, 2001, January 6th. Or 2001. How? How'd you know that? It's true. <laughs> no, it's a, November 9th, 1999. Sean Marion's rookie year. Um, I was going to say, it was, it was after the Jordan hours. It was after that, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But we all think yeah. of the NBA Finals and the last game that uh, Michael Jordan played against them in that series. He uh, Wearing those specific jerseys, the purples, he went for 45 points with the Suns <laughs> one. Uh, interesting team in the Bulls. Interesting team. You know, they're a team that's under 500. Uh, they're without Lonzo Ball because he's knee issues. Zach Levine's not shooting as well as he has in the past. You got a lot of question marks about what they're going to do with their roster. You know, they obviously got the Nikolai Vucevic, and they realize that Nikolai Vucevic is just like, you know, he's not that guy. So they're a team that, you know, DeMar DeRozan's leading them in scoring. He's having a really solid season again, primarily from the mid-range again. But they're a team that is uh, – they're in flux right now, if you will. They're trying to navigate the Eastern Conference. Uh, they're the 12th overall seed at 8-11. and 11. You know, you look at some of their their weaknesses, if you will, on the arc, man. They are the last team in the league when it comes to three-point attempts made. Now, granted, they shoot 36%, but they only shoot 29 so this isn't a game. This is another mid-range game that we're going to be playing. It's a game that they're going to try to win on the interior. So what are you looking for as the Phoenix Suns match up with them on Wednesday? You know, I want to. we're talking about Booker having a big game again the rest of the week, maybe. Uh, I do want to see Aiden put up some bigger numbers because tonight, like, he, I'm not saying it's not him. I'm saying that he was 8 for 10 tonight. He needs to have more touches, especially in this game. Like, the Vucevic thing is interesting because I was a big fan of that big, of the signing. I thought it was what they need. Start adding players. They add players that have names that actually know how to play basketball. See how it works with Lonzo Ball. Of course, you have those injuries, so it's not working out. Um, this team should be abused by the Suns. They just don't play well as a team. Uh, they're just not good this year. I mean, it sucks because I was looking forward to them kind of coming back. You don't even see anything with Caruso anymore either. Caruso yeah, was a and he's, year, and right? he's day-to-day, so we don't know if he's actually going to be in this game. I mean – yeah, Goran Dragic is it a Goran Dragic revenge game? I don't know, man. I mean, it's weird when you look at this roster. It's like, oh, they're not that good. They're not. Like, I don't understand what that is because they should be at least decent. I know the East is a little bit more tough this year, but they should be decent. But I mean, I watch No Dunks a lot, and Trey Kirby on there is a big Bulls fan, and every time mm-hmm. they go to him, he's just like disappointed. Every time well, talking about him, and it's it's hard to watch. Well, you take a look at tonight. They did win tonight over the Jazz. The Jazz have not lost what eight of their last ten now. Holy yeah, they're crap. 
because the teams are playing them hard now, man. Now yeah. they're like, they're yeah, they're not taking them lightly. Guys. But yeah. but you look at tonight. Yeah, it was twenty six points by DeRozan on nine of twenty shooting. Uh, Vucevic added sixteen and nine rebounds. Zach Levine went for twenty points, uh, six rebounds, five assists. Um, coming off the bench, Andre Drummond's on this team. Who you know? Oh shit. Uh, Goran Dragic had seven. Kobe White coming off the bench had fifteen. Um, you know, you're right. This is a team that they should have a defensive mindset. They don't necessarily have that. And playing against the Phoenix Suns at home, I, I see a win in this one. You know, for Brightside, for the Center of the Sun article that I put out every Monday morning. I, I, I what, what are you laughing at? Because you're covering this game. I forgot. Oh yes, I am covering this game for Brightside. <laughs> Because I'm 0-4 this year covering games for Brightside. But I did say the Suns would go 4-0 this week, so something's got to give. Uh, that'll mean I'll be wrong twice. If, if I... <laughs> Fuck me. Fuck me. Oh, well. Uh, real quick before we get out of here, a couple things. One, Parker Hines, thank you for the $4.99 in the Super Chat. We truly appreciate you supporting the pod. It says, got to give props to the new president of basketball operations, James Jones, for getting Lee. What does his new position entail? I don't know. Another stripe. Not Another, sure, man. Like he's a sergeant. He just runs it. He's already running everything, right? Pretty much. That's what yeah. that's what I think. Uh, and last but not least, before we get out of here, Coach Fallen Founder, once again, he says, I'm really going to need Lissy to end tonight by making a sales pitch for the Jamsters to buy war bonds and keep the troops firing. So okay. uh, this is a reminder to everybody, please subscribe, yeah. rate, and review. You can follow us. At Suns Jam on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. You can follow me at Darth Voida uh, on Twitter, and you can read my writing at brightsideofthesun.com. You can follow Matthew on Twitter at Matthew Lissy. Yeah, that's all I got, Matthew. Do you want to sell some more bonds and tell people where they can go home to tonight? <laughs> I mean, I really wish I knew. I, I know what they are, I guess. I mean, it has to do with stocks or something, right? War bonds, or what the no, fuck is that? They're war, they're war bonds. You don't know what war bonds were? No, bonds. So essentially, what you would do is you would buy a war bond. And they would utilize that money to, you know, for rubber and such. And then they would pay you okay. back. It's like a personal loan almost. Oh, it wasn't okay. stocks or anything. They were bonds. Uh, and I don't know. I don't know if they had an interest rate tied to them. So it's like, oh, buy a war bond and, and support the war. Give us $10. And when it's all done, we'll give you 12 I don't know. But, you know, it was a way to support mm-hmm. support the troops, man. No, I, I never heard of it. Sorry. Um, but, yeah, go home and love your family. 